Welcome to the Red Caps Podcast, a podcast where we dip our caps into the blood of our listeners and ramble on about old school games. I'd like to welcome you to our very first episode. My name is Kevin, and I thank you for listening. In today's ramble, we are going to discuss what the OSR is, how it's different from modern games, and why I think you should try it. Now, as you know, no mortal can outrun a red cap. So sit back, listen, and I hope you enjoy the show. What does the OSR mean? The three letters themselves can mean a few different things depending on who you're talking to. OSR, it stands for Old School Rules, of course. OSR, it stands for Old School Revival. OSR, it stands for the Old School Renaissance. Or OSR, it stands for Oh Shit Run. Most people fall on the side of old school renaissance nowadays but i think any of those definitions would work they all explain some aspect of the osr and really just saying osr at this point is more than sufficient but what is the osr well the osr is a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people and it's going to be very hard to get anybody to agree on a definition but to me the OSR is a movement that is attempting to recapture the myth of what it was like to play RPGs in the early seven, sorry, in the late seventies and early eighties. And I say myth because if you start reading through forums and different places about this, you're going to start to get this feeling that everybody thinks the games were played a certain way in the seventies and eighties, as if there was some sort of unified way the game was played, and we're all trying to get back to that. And that's completely crazy because the games back then were a diverse mishmash of rules, uh, different interpretations of the rules, and most people simply didn't know what they were doing and were just flying by the seat of their pants. Which, maybe that is the core of the OSR, flying by the seat of your pants. But I digress. What it has distilled down to now is that the OSR is often either a reformatting and cleaning up of an older uh, game's rule system, uh, such as Old School Essentials Cleaning Up BX, or it's a creation of a brand new game that shares the core attitude and values of the movement. Now, what is that attitude? Well, this is where the OSR separates away from modern counterparts, in my opinion. The OSR games typically lean towards the idea that the game referee or GM or DM makes rulings and isn't held to a rule book. Um, or a list of rules that cover up most situations. The rules are light. Uh, things can happen that there is no rule for, and the referee will make adjustments to the game and come up with something that makes sense in the world. There's a large difference in power scale, in my opinion. The OSR games are generally games that contain characters that are closer to the average person. They aren't superheroes. Parties are generally closer to a band of Tomb Raiders rather than the Avengers that you may see if you're playing a modern game. First level characters in modern games have a list of abilities that first level characters in OSR games can only dream of in most cases. The main characters in an OSR game is the party and the world. The world itself is a character. In modern games, it's very much about the individual and the world seems to be molded around that character. Whereas in OSR games, the party is just trying to survive in the world and the world is what's going to really form the personality and backstory of a, of a character is what their actual actions are, not what the player wrote down on a piece of paper beforehand. The OSR games really push players to come up with, and I stress players, not characters, players to come up with creative solutions uh, and to solve problems in ways that aren't necessarily on their character sheet 
and there is no expectation that the world is going to be fair or that an encounter will be balanced. Characters often want to run away or negotiate their way out of a fight. They will avoid a conflict because death is always looming. In modern games, balance is, is always talked about. Um, the CR system in D&D 5e is incredibly broken, but it's incredibly held to to determine whether an encounter is balanced or fair or not. And that just doesn't happen in OSR games. If you came across a dragon at level 1, you should probably run. Don't try to fight it. Players in OSR games could make a character in just a couple minutes. Character creation is very quick and easy. In modern games, you know, there's a whole theory craft around character building. Uh, you can spend a lot of time going through skills and feats and planning your character from level 1 all the way through to level 20 and everything that you're going to do. Most OSR games, you create a character in a couple moments and you don't overly care if that character dies within the first hour of the evening. And all that theory crafting means that there's often a time in modern games where players are staring at their character sheet and seeing this large list of skills. And they think that's all the skills that they can do for the game. They don't realize that they can do whatever their imagination brings to them. And I think the lack of options on an OSR character sheet really evokes people to think outside the box. How did the OSR start? Well, in the early 2000s, there were a few things that came together that really allowed the OSR movement to take place. There was the internet becoming more mainstream. That gave us blogs and forums and allowed niche communities to stay connected. Oh, you had Wizards of the Coast giving us the open gaming license and the game system license, which allowed people to create modules and content for D&D, which is what it was intended for. But it also allowed them to create clones of the games, which Wizards, I don't think, ever saw coming. Wizards of the Coast also released the fourth edition of D&D, which was not popular and led to Pathfinder becoming a massive thing um, and also further fueled the OSR community as it went. And then in later years, you had places like DriveThruRPG and Lulu uh, giving creators really excellent tools for self-publishing and doing print-on-demand, uh, which made their products feel more legitimate by making them actual books instead of just PDFs. And allow them to do so without having a whole bunch of upfront cost, which is important. From what I can tell, Castles and Crusades started this whole path for folks back in around 2004. And then in early 2006, we had the likes of Basic Fantasy RPG, Osric, and Labyrinth Lord all come out, and they really proved, from a legal standpoint, that the OGL would allow these game systems to exist, and that people could create stuff without having to worry about cease and desist letters. Further, um, we had a whole bunch more games come out later on, and now it's entirely possible for a creative individual to create a game, publish it, get it out into a book format, have their own game in their hands, um, and have it be compatible with a wide range of just like 40 plus years of gaming material out there for very little upfront cost. It's truly an amazing time um, if you want to be a creative person and create something like that. So why do I think you should play OSR games? I think if you're new to this hobby, the OSR is a fantastic place to start. You've got games like Basic Fantasy RPG that are completely free. You can print the books out incredibly cheaply. You can go onto Amazon right now, get five sets of dice, five of the core rule books for Basic Fantasy, and some graph paper for probably less than the cost that would get you to get a couple of pizzas from Domino's delivered. And you could use that to get all your friends started with role-playing. The OSR 
really encourages you to homebrew. So if there's things that you don't like from a particular rule set, it's encouraged and almost expected that you would then go to a different game, pick out the rule that you do like, and drop it in this game. And you can do it very easily without any worry about breaking the game. Um, and because the rules are so simple and light, and the expectation is that you are going to just make a ruling of what you feel is right at the time, the memorization of rules isn't a really big issue. And it's also a great way to teach kids this game because the rules are so simple. The OSR really, in my opinion, comes down to freedom and imagination. You get much more freedom, much more flexibility in your system, and it allows your players to be more imaginative and creative. It does this at a fraction of the cost of the modern games, and it gives you a huge back catalog of stuff dating from 74 uh, forward um, that you can use in your games. In the future, I might do an episode on some of the systems I like, but the ones I mentioned thus far, like Basic Fantasy, RPG, Old School Essentials, they're all really cool OSRs that you should go and take a look at, see which of them resonate with you, see what ones you like, um, and try playing them out. Uh, most of them you can get uh, the basic rules for free. Basic Fantasy is completely free. Old School Essentials has a art-free version, and I believe the Black Hack and Labyrinth Lord also have free versions available. So, that wraps up the first episode of the Red Caps Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you return for some more. Hopefully I can come up with something interesting to talk about next time. And you can find us if you visit www.theredcaps.net. You can go to Facebook and Twitter at the Red Caps Net. And feel free to drop me an email at feedback at theredcaps.net or drop me a voicemail on anchor.fm. Until next time, remember to never let your caps dry out, and I hope to see you then. Take care. <laughs>